Through most of the Thursdays of the fall semester, I will be offering some brief reflections from the book of Ruth. We begin in chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 and 14 to 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Shilon. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Shilion also died, so that the woman was left with her two sons and her husband. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you might find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. They wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. The word of the Lord. Bless us, O God, in these moments. Carry your word deep into each of our diverse hearts by the one common spirit, we pray. We ask it in the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a boy in Sunday school, I think I was overexposed to the story of Ruth. That's because my Sunday school teachers loved this story. And they always presented it as an ancient love story. It wasn't really until I was in seminary that I realized this is actually God's story. And I believe it is in part a story about community. The story begins in chapter 1, verse 1, with the words, there was a famine in the land. Now there are places of literal famine to this day in the world which break the heart of God and ought to break our hearts as well and lead us to generosity. But metaphorically, sooner or later, every life 
runs into a season of famine, perhaps in your relationships or your work or your health or maybe your life with God has been in the midst of a long drought. And these areas of life do not find, we do not find anything sustaining in them. Well, being smart people who take initiative, when we go through these seasons of drought and famine, we make choices. We try to change our lives. We go to the doctor in search of healing. If you don't like your job or lost your job, you get another job. We get online in order to develop relationships. Maybe you come to seminary. Either literally or figuratively, you make a move with your life in hopes of getting to a better place. When famine broke out in the land of Judah, Elimelech and Naomi took their two sons and moved to Moab in search of this better life. But not long after they were there, Elimelech died. The two sons married Moabite women, one named Ruth and the other Orpah. But within 10 years, the sons also died. And so now it's just Naomi and the two daughters-in-law. This is the trouble with making moves to get to a better life. We confront choices all the time, and we are called to make these choices, to be good stewards of our life, and actually to make moves from time to time. Just don't ever expect a move to save you. For salvation, you're always going to need a savior, whether you choose Judah or Moab. Well, taking stock of the conditions of her life, Naomi decides she'd be better off returning back to Judah. And initially, her two daughters-in-law try to follow her. And Naomi severely rebukes them and tries to discourage them from following her. And so Orpah does return to Moab, but the text says that Ruth clung to Naomi. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Clinging. Whenever I'm engaged in premarital counseling, and we get to the part of putting the wedding together, I will typically let the couple pick the scripture text that they would like to be the basis of the homily in the wedding. It's not unusual for a couple to pick this text. It's so lovely. Wheresoever thou goest, I will go. Then I point out that this was said by a woman to her mother-in-law. And usually at that point, they find another text for their wedding. But here's what's so impressive about these two women. Naomi's dreams for what would happen when they made the move to Moab has all fallen apart. In fact, in some ways, her life is worse now than it was before she left Judah. But still, she returns to her community carrying only her disappointments. And Ruth clings to this relationship. 
a relationship that she did not choose, but she was given by virtue of her marriage to a husband who's no longer alive. Ruth clings to Naomi, who, as we'll discover next week, was no picnic. But in clinging to her, it cost Ruth everything familiar about her life in Moab. So this is how the story starts, with two women whose lives have been greatly interrupted clinging to each other. They did not choose to be together, they were given to each other. They come from different countries and different backgrounds, different traditions, customs. They have no real assurance about their future, they're, they're low on resources and really high on reasons for anxiety. The only thing they actually have in common is their grief. Two women clinging to each other who have only heartache in common. And this is how God begins a redemptive community. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.